Hello, and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your biz and mindset coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to up-level your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Hello, and welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. I am Sam, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with Gina. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) And we are back after a little bit of an unannounced hiatus. It was about a month. Yeah, no, like almost six weeks. Has it been six weeks? I think it's been almost six weeks. Wow. So we want to apologize for not announcing that because <laughs> any we've only ever taken one break since we started. Yeah. And it was obviously announced. It was around Christmas and we had a whole explanation of season two coming out. But actually, this break was sort of prompted by, I mean, a couple of different things. We had a lot going on in the month of June. I was away. I was in Korea. The international time zone would have been a little bit of a workaround for us, but also we wanted to challenge our hustling habits. Yes. And I think leading up to you leaving, we were already kind of questioning it. At least I was. I was certainly on a journey to basically come off of my addiction to adrenaline and stress. And it's something that I've personally been working through in therapy. And honestly, something that I've been told multiple times over the past 20 years by different therapists and doctors that I'm addicted to adrenaline. And friends and family. <laughs> so I True. Think, yes. I think what we wanted this episode to be about was how, like, how do, do we actually break up with hustle culture yeah. and fear-based motivation? Because yes. Gina and I are so conditioned and probably like you are too as a listener, to do things out of fear. Yeah. Really fast, really hard, really productive. And so even this break was sort of a a challenge to that. Like, hey, like how would it feel to not do something out of fear? How would it feel to take a break, not even announce it, not even have a comeback date and just see? And I'm going to be honest, there was a part of me that started to freak out a little bit. It was like, oh my God, we have to go back and we have to record. And then I was like, why? Yeah. Didn't I create this because I wanted to do it on my terms? And that's another conversation we've been having recently about entrepreneurship. We say you want to be an entrepreneur so that you can work whenever you want, take off. But then you just create this other little job for yourself that you're your own employee to. Well, you become the boss that you would never want to work for. Yeah. Because then you become the employee to the inner voice, which is so mean and never lets you rest and never takes any reason for rest as sufficient. And now you're just under the rule of this very mean tyrant that lives inside of you. And we call that entrepreneurship. It's like, this is way worse. I would rather, I know. I'd rather be able to just clock out at five o'clock and not have to hear my boss's voice. But when yeah. you work for yourself, that voice lives with you 24 seven. And so this breakup from adrenaline for me really came off of, I guess like multiple breakdowns, um, but break also breakdown to breakthrough. Break break but it was also just really deep conversations with my therapist and also just witnessing myself again, like, you know, being a mom and seeing what happens when I don't deal with the pressure that is accumulating inside of me. It's just going to be an implosion at some point. And whoever happens to be there is going to get burned. And it's so funny because I actually had that talk with Emmeline where with my daughter and I did have a meltdown and she actually 
very beautifully called it a volcano. She was like, it's almost like you have this bubbling inside of you that's about to erupt. And I just happened to be standing there when the eruption happens. And I was like, that is exactly what it is. But instead of trying to solve the lava from com coming down, like, oh, how do I fix the lava from burning her? It's like, how do I stop the volcano from erupting? Probably, this is a terrible analogy because I actually don't know how you stop a volcano from, from erupting, but, but it would have but an internal like environmental conditions, yes. right? Which is kind of what we've been learning. Yes. Like, how do I manage my internal conditions so that I don't get to a boiling point? Because yes. I think what we've been learning through all of our somatic practices, our spiritual journey, is that you can't stop yourself from feeling something. Yeah. It's like, that's too late. By and that's time, creating more pressure. Yes. Oh my God, it's so true. It's like, I'm supposed to not get mad, so I'm not getting mad. I'm stopping myself from getting mad. But getting mad is, at this point, just the result of all of these suppressed feelings that yeah. I haven't acknowledged for, who knows, one week, two weeks, a month. I mean, I told you earlier that when I was in Korea, I was staying with my family, and there wasn't a lot of opportunities for me to be alone and, like, decompress, yeah. which was fun. But then when I got home, I just started feeling really off. And, of course, there's like, a time zone change, and I was trying to be compassionate to that. But I was just so crabby and then I was like fuck I'm being mad again and then I was like but why like why would I because there was like these little moments I think I told you where my husband would say something and then I would just freak <laughs> out and I would literally believe it was because he told me to do x and I'm yeah. like well just don't tell me to do stuff like that like don't or don't say it like that but then I would go on this like you know thoughtful walk afterwards <laughs> and I'm like why did I get that mad though like why it's something inside of me like something is dysregulated inside of me. And then I was telling you how I went to this yoga class this morning and I was so effing bored in it because it was so slow, but it wasn't slower than any other yoga class. It was just slow. It was like a morning flow. And I realized it's because internally I'm still so jacked up, even yeah. though I don't perceive it to be that way, mm -hmm. that the yoga class felt like so slow. I was like, this is so boring. But then after I left, I actually felt way calmer I was mm -hmm. like oh I just need it's like if I am at the highest end of the spectrum where all my energy is chaotic like if you look at like a frequency monitor like if it was like all of these jagged lines then going into yoga would be like a flat line yeah and I'm like evening out and and it's really uncomfortable you know it would be kind of like going you know 100 miles an hour and then just all of a sudden just sitting still, like you would feel the difference in that speed yeah. so much more than if you're just sitting at home and vice versa. If you're just sitting at home and you just start shooting hundred miles an hour on your couch, you're going to feel that speed. But when you're in the car, you don't feel that speed as much because first of all, it has been a gradual adjustment, but also like you're already going that speed. So I, I really relate to what you just said because so for me, my journey has been like, I I've been an insomniac for like two decades. I don't sleep, you know, the regular amount of sleep that I would get on average was anywhere from three to five or six hours. Like five or six hours would be like a good night. Like, oh my God, I slept for five hours straight. And this is, again, for 20 years. So I'm going 100 miles an hour, not noticing how fast I'm going. Well, I noticed it when, <laughs> when that's the crazy thing too. It's like yeah. some people just think it's their personality. I think that was a big thing for you. Yeah. Like I just love working. This is my I'm, pace. I'm, I'm the energizer buddy. Yeah. Yay. And then when I met you, I was like, <laughs> so afraid. She's not afraid. I was just like, oh, she's like real. I don't even think I thought of the word dysregulated. That's not what I thought. But I, I, I did think like this is not just your personality. I knew what your personality was. And it's still a bubbly, high energy personality. Don't get me wrong. But this was a I could feel the fear based motivation that was 
absolutely powering your work life. Yeah. And you had convinced yourself, or I think many people's egos convinces them, I just like to do this. Yes. I just like to do it. But okay, then stop and see what happens. Like just just see what happens inside of you. And that's actually what we did with this break. We were like, what happens inside of us when we don't show up every week? Like, is it still inspired or do we start does this obligatory energy start to take over? Mm. And I realized that that obligatory energy is that fear-based conditioning that says don't stop or something quote unquote bad will happen. Don't stop yeah. or you won't be successful. And I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm trying to live a creative entrepreneurial life that's not going to look like an everyday same task thing. It's going to look different every day. And like, how can I invite that into my life? And mm-hmm. it's been such a challenge living this entrepreneurial life because even financially, some months are like, wow, I did not expect to make that much money. And then some yeah. months are like, wait, I'm not making any money. Totally. And that totally goes against like our fearful conditioning, which says like, you should make this amount of money every single month. Like this is how much you need. And it's just been, honestly, I feel like what we've been doing over the past year really is just challenging every single belief that we have. Like every single normal, every single social norm that just exists in my brain. And when I traveled to Korea, that was a really good experiment for me too, because I was breaking a lot of social norms when I was there. And I thought, wow, it's crazy to me that you guys think that this is normal and I don't. Mm -hmm. And it was just an opportunity for me to observe myself and to observe the minds of others. But how can I be the observer of these thoughts that I need to constantly work, that I need to constantly make money? And if I don't, like what happens? Like, do I still have trust? Do I still believe I'm inspired by creativity? Do I still believe I have value if I'm not constantly getting up and fearfully doing things? Yeah, something that I really learned was just how much I was operating under survival strategies. You know, every business I've ever created was driven by fear of not making it or it not working out. And to the point where I've always said, I will be successful. I will hit my goals because I'm not going to stop until I get them. And that's a very survival strategy based thinking, right? Like I don't, I don't know. I don't say that to, to Emmeline. I'm not like you yeah, will, no matter yeah, what. you yeah. will not stop going to school until you learn this. I don't, I don't have that same drive. And that's how I know now that wasn't my personality. That was just my survival strategy to basically cope with the fear of what if I then hate myself even more, right? What if I don't get that? Cause then I'm going to like really crucify myself even more. So it was just like this, again, tyrant inside of me that was forcing me to do all of these things. And you know what? The flip side of that, it did help me create a lot of things. And you know what? My therapist did help me to see some beauty in the survival strategy because then I started to hate it. Just like my ego, I was like, well, fuck that bitch. I hate that part of me. And it's like, no, there was a very beautiful part of that. Um, But it just helped me to unpack how many of my businesses have been started from that lens. And it never felt good, no matter what I achieved. And now that I'm finally- Because of what it's powered by. Exactly. Because it, and it's like this monster that's never fed. You just have to keep feeding it more and more and more. It's never going to be satisfied. And- because I was functioning that way for so long, as I approached, you know, this new business in, in coaching and, you know, I am stepping back from, you know, I've restructured my real estate business to accommodate this life that I genuinely want. It's like all the circuits inside of me just went berserk. Like yeah. everything inside of me just was, it was like all these wires that were just flying around, like whatever live wires. And they're just like shooting electricity everywhere because it didn't know how to function without a survival strategy. It just felt like inside was going like error, error. And it was just an internal implosion. And I said to you, it feels like an internal World War Gina. 
I know. And I think something that we wanted to normalize throughout this episode today was that the journey of actually embodying self-trust will feel like a threat to your survival strategy. So if you have been fearfully motivated your entire life, if you've been hustling, then to actually listen to a podcast like ours that tells you to trust yourself, it's going to feel really bad at first. Yeah. I really want to normalize that because trust isn't like, think about it. When you get into a relationship with someone and you've been taught to maybe not trust men or women your entire life, and then you do start to trust, it feels bad. Well, think about if somebody cheated on you in your past relationship, and now you have to trust that this next person is not going to cheat on you. It doesn't feel good. You're not like, yay, I'm going to trust this person. The non-trusting feels better. Yeah. The non-trusting feels safe. The non-trusting feels protective. And for you to let that guard down, it feels feels like being stabbed by a thousand knives. I swear. Like, for me to actually trust fall into creativity, trust fall into entrepreneurship has been the greatest journey of my life because it's really taught me that it's not, it's not actually consistency anymore that I find my safety in. It's in that no matter what happens, I will have my own back. I yeah. will be okay. But believing that was so hard at first because I only trusted myself through consistent effort and action. So for yeah. example, unless I went to the gym X amount of times per week, I didn't trust myself to like be, I don't know, like a fit, healthy person all of a sudden. It was like, oh no, like my body's going to deteriorate or something <laughs> dramatic like that. Yeah. But now I can go honestly like a month without doing that or more. And I, I have the trust that like, that's not going to go away. Like also I can just go back. And I think that's what I'm trying to build strength within myself now when it comes to like, let's say making money or like growing my career. It's like, unless I actually quit everything and just like die, it doesn't stop. I'm just taking a break. Yeah. And these breaks initially to my body felt like just just awful. I yeah. just want you all to know that breaks did not feel good to my body for a very long time. Yeah. Well, that was like for me in slowing down. I actually felt a lot worse. So for anybody who's basically detoxing from adrenaline, uh, my journey has been, you know, creating like a sleep routine for myself, which involved not being on my screens um, because that was the other thing too realizing like how stimulated I am which yeah. I never thought that I was like I like talking to people I'm just on my phone all day like my whole business I mean most of entrepreneurs businesses the entire thing is on a fucking screen it's on a computer it's on your phone yeah. you're getting all these pings which are also combined with the pings you're getting from like friends from your family I'm just getting pinged all, all over the place and it's just there's so much stimulation in our world even just walking across the street the dog barking oh, yeah. the lights going here it's, I didn't ever clock that in to what I was actually like, I don't know, anything that I was experiencing. It's just a lot of stimuli. It's a lot of information yeah. that your brain is having to process through, even though you're not consciously processing through yes. it. Like you're not thinking to yourself, like, there's a dog barking there, and then there's a car passing there. Like, your brain is doing that for you. And yes. It's, it's energy consuming. And I remember telling you that you were really stimulated, and you were like, I'm just used to this. I'm like, yep, yeah, but being used to something doesn't make it good. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like when I was that hopped up on adrenaline, I couldn't feel anything else because when you're on adrenaline, you are numb to everything else. And it's like the analogy I keep trying to use to explain this to people. It's like if you're running away from like a zombie or a monster and you have like a broken arm, like you don't have time to think about your broken arm and be like, oh, I'm going to tend to this arm while this monster is chasing me. You run, you run for your life and you know at any cost, you're just holding your arm and you're running away. You're using all of your energy to run. As soon as the monster is gone, now you're like, oh my God, my arm kills. And that's what happened to me. It was like all of this pent up stored pain and stress that I was not feeling 
all of a sudden I could feel because I was unnumbing from the adrenaline high. Then I started feeling how tired I was. I started to actually feel when I would be getting like hungry or what it would feel like when I wouldn't eat. Cause you know, I wouldn't eat for like, I could just go the whole day without eating because I was working so much and not feel like I was hungry or feel like it bothered me. I would work through migraines and I'm like, I'm fine. Whereas now I cannot work through any sort of headache pain because I feel it so much more because there is no buffer of adrenaline blocking it or numbing it. And I think just for people who aren't really aware physiologically of adrenaline's use, um, it's actually very useful adapted for all animals, right? Like when you are running away from a predator, you experience adrenaline and cortisol coursing through your veins so that you can actually run faster, you become more powerful, and you become less impervious to pain. Yes. Like you literally, that actual neurotransmitter or like chemical in your brain makes things less painful. Yeah. So it makes sense that you can't feel those things, but that hormone or whatever, I don't know, neurochemical, whatever it is, adrenaline, cortisol, when it's not present, right? That's when you can actually feel what your true state is. Also, yeah. that being present all the time is very damaging very to damaging. your immune system, to your nervous system. It is actually designed to be a short experience, a very temporary experience. Like it's okay to be like, oh my God, like I got like n- like nervous for a second, but we live in that state. Like yes. we don't even know what it's like to be out of that state. And so even for me to go to yoga today, that was me decompressing from that state. And I was like, oh, I'm, it's kind of like that feeling of I'm back. We've talked about that so many times. Well, yeah, it's because you're sobering up. You're sobering up. Because when it's you're in it, you don't really know how drunk you are. Like I had no idea how hopped up on adrenaline I was. And I didn't know how to feel life without it. It felt very off-putting. I felt- I just felt bad. It felt terrible. I actually physically felt like I was drunk. I was sleeping. So I did start to sleep better. Um, you know, I now have my routine where I don't go on my screens. I've been doing a lot of detox of my sensory, being a lot more aware of it. And again, once you start to pay attention, you're like, wow, everything is so stimulating. And, but it did feel terrible, even though I was getting nine hours of sleep now, which has never happened since I was like in high school, I, I felt so exhausted and I actually felt pretty frustrated with myself because I was like, wow, like, why does this feel so much worse? But it's because again, your body hasn't known how to operate without it for so long. So it's, it's literally switching gears. And when you are hopped up, hopped up on adrenaline like that, your brain actually creates new receptors for the adrenaline because it's preparing that you need this much. And so my therapist was actually sharing with me that there are going to be these receptors in my brain that are waiting for that hit. And that's why I would actually find myself grabbing my phone. You're a drug addict. It's, you are a drug addict. You are. I would just be laying there very peacefully and my arm just on its own would go and grab. And I'd. It's like you're possessed. And I would hold it. I'm like, what am I doing? doing? I didn't do that. And it was just an automatic thing. In the morning, I wake up, grab my phone and I would just catch that. Like, wow. It's like an automatic robotic arm that just does that. And it's going for a dopamine hit. Exactly. And it's just so programmed to do that. And that's when I really started to unpack how many of my actions are just automatic programming. And I mean, pretty much all of them. Well, not all of them. I mean, I think that's the journey of becoming awake, right? Is realizing like, wow, everything I do is not decided by me. Like yeah. it's, just, it's like this default thing. And then when you wake up from that and observe that and you're like, wait, 
whoa, like who's doing that? Yeah. You're like, yeah. I'm observing me doing that, which means there's a part of me that's beyond this default programming. Yeah. And that's what it means to live consciously is to watch literally like your body yeah. try to go do something and you be awake enough to observe yourself doing it and then decide consciously whether you want to do that or not. Yeah. And there yeah. are some things that your body will do naturally that you will want to choose. Yeah. That's great. That's alignment. But there's a lot of times where your body is trying to do something that you are not in alignment with. Let's say, let's say your heart truly wants to, I don't know, release a podcast, but your body is too afraid and traumatized to do that based on something that happened in the past. And so you need to become aware of that programming and that avoidance and see that that's not you avoiding it. It's your programming. Or let's say you really do want to spend more time in conversation over the dinner table. You don't want to look at the phone, but then you notice your hand reaching over there. Can you watch yourself doing that and be like, yeah. wait, I don't want to do that. That Who was that? Yeah, That wasn't me. That was like this default programming. It's yeah. like that's what the computer, the mind is programmed to do because of all the patterns that it's been like infor- reinforced over years. And you are now waking up to those patterns. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, I think I also should say it's just very hard to break a pattern. Like that, there's a reason why they call it a habit or like old habits die hard, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like we are literally breaking out of the habit that is our life. Yeah. In order to change and become conscious and create your dream life, you are breaking out of the habit that is your current life. Your mm-hmm. literal life the way it is, the way you wake up, the what you eat, what all that all of that is just a habitual lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you're breaking up with everything. How you think about yourself, how you eat, how you lead in your relationships, how you go to work, how you show up. It's all breaking a habit. And so it's not gonna look perfect every single day. I mean, if you were to if I were to rate myself in the past week, I'd be like, I did not do well. <laughs> But that is the point of spiraling higher is to realize that I'm still committed to the growth, but that growth is just not going to be linear. And it, it breaks my egoic mind every single time because I want that growth to be linear so bad. But then I yeah. think about it and I'm like, wait, who wants it to be? I was just going to ask. Who, who wants, wants it to be that? Linear? Yeah. It's not the, the actual real part of you doesn't care how many times it takes. It's just... Yeah, it's I, the whole patterning thing. I think is really challenging because, again, like we talk about this so many times, where I'm like, I thought I knew that pattern, but there's just so many deeply woven patterns that are within, and I think it's been very illuminating for me because I've started many businesses in the past, um, and it's never, I've never felt this low pressure. But that's what feels so bad about this. That's what feels so threatening. It feels so threatening because this part of my brain is like, but look at what we've created before. And we used all of these patterns and all of these ways and all of these thoughts to get you the success. So we need to do that again. But it's because there's a, like you said, there's a part of my body that doesn't believe that it can create what it thinks is a success by just being laid back and not putting all this the pressure on myself. And the mind, right? Yeah. Because I imagine it being like an Olympic athlete who's doping to win races. Yeah. And then you're literally like, you can't do that anymore. First of all, your body would have been reliant on that. Absolutely. But then secondly, your mind would be like, well, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it anymore. Yeah. Like, how am I going to do it without that? And so it's mm, both a yeah. mental and physiological response in a fear to the absence of that drug. Yeah. And so I think that breaking up with hustle culture, it doesn't, it's not just like, self-care and like go take a bath and like meditate it feels like you you have to co-regulate with yourself you have to have these practices and so much trust and know that this is this is a literal withdrawal period it is there is a reason why going to rehab and getting off of drugs is one of the hardest things that people do because you have become so reliant on that you literally believe that you're never going to feel good again without it and it's you it's the way that you learn how to operate 
Yeah. And there, I mean, there's so many battles going on within because like I said, there's just parts of me that are like, but how are we going to do it without this? This has been the crutch. And the funny thing is, is I didn't even know it was a crutch. Right. Well, it's kind of like I thought I was like flying like freaking, you know, superwoman. They're like, those are just strings were... on you. And you're like, what? I ha there's been a machine flying me around this whole time. And now I have to try to fly like without this machine. Like I, it's almost like you're realizing the truth about like you're just human. Yes, <laughs> totally. You know, it's crazy because my this sounds bad, but my favorite identity crisis that people have is like realizing that they're not actually highly capable people. I mean, we are all highly capable. You know I what know I what mean? you mean. But you're not like a more highly capable, superior person than anyone else. You're just cracked out on your own adrenaline. Yeah. And it's a drug yeah. that will lose its efficacy over yeah. time. All things lose efficacy. And so if you're like a 20 something, yeah, you can do that for another five years. Yeah. And then you, you do burn out. Like yeah. you will. Well, it's kind of like the hangovers, right? Like I remember yes. when I was younger, like I'd get hungover and I'm like, I don't feel anything. Now, if I drink like one glass of wine, I'm like out. I mean, that's why I don't drink anymore, but I'm out for such a, such, such a longer time where this hangover for me after like 20 years of being addicted to adrenaline, like it really was a drug withdrawal. And, you know, it's, it's not a mistake that it happened when you were gone and when we were on this break, right? Because there's a huge part of me that if you were still here, I would have just dipped back I into the, that. I need the adrenaline. I would have, I wouldn't have been able to release the way that I did. And it's funny because when Sam was away, I was like, oh, it's going to be so good because I'll spend all this time to like, you know, work on like my, my business and, you know, create all these things. And no, I basically just like almost died 10 times over when you were gone. And I mean, I actually did start experiencing panic attacks, which was extremely frightening for me. And honestly, I also went through kind of like a how dare my body betray me? Like, I feel yeah. like I'm doing all of these things to love you more and to take care of you and to detox from adrenaline. But that's kind of what happened. It finally re realized I can let go. We don't have to be hopped up in all of these chemicals, whatever, adrenaline in anymore. Like, we can actually let go. And it was like, like I said, it was like an implosion. This World War Gina that just finally gave out and the panic attacks ensued. And... Really, those opened up so much for me. I think it was kind of like this pressure cooker that just finally was able to release through these multiple panic attacks. And just, you don't really have a choice when you're having a panic attack. It's freaking happening, yeah. right? It's like all of this stuff is happening physiologically. I was like, felt like I couldn't breathe. And, and then crying yeah, so hard so for so long. And I didn't have a reason. I was just crying. And it really did feel like the past 20 years of suppressed frustration, tears, all of those things just came out in those handful of panic attacks. And I do feel a lot better now. But now that we're kind of, I do feel a lot more regulated. I feel like in my body, I'm not hopped up on adrenaline. I feel rested now. And I, I am a lot more sensitive to sensory. Like I went to my daughter's field trip yesterday and Oh my God, you guys, it was like hundreds and hundreds of kids that were just running around screaming at the beach. It was highly stressful for me. Normally that wouldn't have even clocked on my radar as anything stressful. I would have been like, yeah, I went to the beach with her friends, but now I'm so much more sensitive to knowing what my body is sensing. And in that, in that same breath, I'm then able to offer myself relief from that, which I didn't do yesterday. Hey listeners, quickly interrupting this episode to say that if you're loving this conscious conversation, we're inviting you to join the dialogue with us inside of our free Spiraling Higher community. It's our favorite place on earth and it's where you can meet like-minded souls on their healing journey and discuss what you're spiraling through with your conscious besties. It's where we continue this conversation long after the episode ends because as we all know, healing is an upward spiral. 
So join the conversation, share with us your insights, questions, and breakthroughs. We're here for it all. You can join by creating a free account by clicking the link at the top of the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. But I'm learning, I'm learning to be aware of that, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of just like, I don't know, if you do work out really hard, you're going to stretch, right? Yeah. Because you know your muscles are obviously going to be hurting tomorrow or whatever. So you want to stretch those out. It's kind of like that for me now where I'm like, wow, I did have a very stimulating day. What can I do to kind of relieve some of that? And when I don't, it builds up. Shit, shit explodes. Yes. <laughs> there is another volcano eruption and it just makes so much sense, but it really does. I actually heard something on TikTok, you know, online. <laughs> I should. I love these jokes that say like, don't say you heard it on TikTok. Yeah. But, um, I did hear this video and I really love this creator. And she talked about how, um, I'm not condoning the, the uses of, of mu- usage of mushrooms or anything, but if you have used them, then you know this experience. But when you go to take them, you're very, very intentional about the setting that you're going to be in, right? Mm. You're like, where can I be that I'm not going to be disturbed? I'm not going to be paranoid. I'm not going to freak out. Yeah. And she was like, that is how you should be thinking all the time. So true. She's like, you're just hyper aware of everything when you're on that medication or plant medicine. But when you are not on it, your body still is being subject to that. It just goes under your radar. And then your radar is like much more keen, right? When you're on the plant medicine. And that like changed my perspective on everything. Cause let's just, I didn't think about that when I was in Korea, but let's just say I was on psilocybin when I was walking around the streets of Seoul. I'd be having a fucking panic attack. Like right. my body would literally be like, oh my God, there's so many people, there's so many lights, there's so many cars, there's so many this. But because it's just normal to my conditioned brain, I just ignore all of that. And I think right. what's important to notice about adrenaline too is, we keep using that word, but adrenaline is when your body is scared. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing. You may not have a conscious fear. Like, you know that you're not actually scared in this moment. You're like, I'm fine. I'm in my house. But like your body is, Yeah, your body is literally on high, high, high alert. And that is not a normal state to exist in. And that's what leads to a lot of illnesses. Yeah. And I mean, when you just think about your business, you think about, I mean, whether you have a corporate job or whatever job, or you work for yourself, most of us are taking actions out of fear that we're not going to make enough money. And that's, that's literally all people. That's, even if you do have a nine to five job, right? Like fear for showing, because if you don't show up, you're going to get fired. That's fear, right? So it's, I, I just didn't realize how afraid you were, how afraid I was. I did not realize how much I was being driven by fear. And I started to unpack like all of the other businesses I've ever started was, like I said, like I got to make it happen or else. Like, or else what? No, I know. Or else what? And, and to me, that would have been like literal death. Like I cannot fail. And and unpacking like, but what if I do fail? I know. And like, what even is failure? So all of these questioning, and it's like your, your brain, your mind, your body is going to go haywire because it would be, I don't know. I just like think about like a Roomba <laughs> and you put the programmed Roomba into another house. Mm. It's like, but this is not the path. There was no <laughs> stairs here. There was, and it falls down the freaking stairs because it thinks that that's the hallway in your house, right? So, we, it just, I don't know. It just makes a lot more sense to me, I think. And I mean, I feel like I've been on this journey to unwind my adrenaline for the past while, but I feel like this past three yeah. months or whatever has been totally the and most. I, and I think what's changed. so difficult too is that to un undo your adrenaline based lifestyle honestly goes against what we praise in society yeah right because people who work I mean think about it I didn't say this to you but a lot of people who 
observed you in your adrenaline back days were so like we admired you totally yeah it was like oh my yeah. god like I don't know how you do it it's like and we call these people especially women like super mom and like superwoman and like or wonder woman like how do you do it with like a mom and like you're doing this job and all this stuff and it's like oh I'm literally abusing my adrenaline reserves to maintain this facade that is yeah. totally not human yes like it is human in the sense that you can manage it for a short period of time, but it's not a lifestyle. It's not a, and it's not sustainable at all. If if you want to be happy, true, truly if happy, you want to be happy, and it's so unloving, it's, it's so, so unloving. unloving to ourselves, and and that's what I, you know, again, like now that I'm in somatic work and I'm connecting so much more with my body, I can feel like the damage. Whereas I, again, I was just like so numb to it before. And I don't know, it kind of, I I guess this might've been before your time, but in my time, everybody went to tanning beds. Oh yeah. It's terrible. I remember that. Yeah. Right. And you don't, you don't think about the damage it's doing because at that point you're like, it's fine. I just want to be tan. Yeah. But then you grow up and you're like, wait, like maybe this could lead to like skin cancer. It's so damaging. And so all of a sudden, like you just become so much aware of what damage is actually happening. Even like going on an airplane or like going on a ride. Now I have so many more fears around it because I might like something might happen to my daughter or something might happen to me. Like as you get older and more aware of like what these fears or these damages could really do to you, I don't know, it gets a lot scarier. And I guess that's where I'm at now where I'm just a lot more aware of the damage that I am inflicting on myself and how unloving it is. But in trying to love myself and lead with love, it's like breaking my brain. It is because it's the pattern is like the pattern's not patterning. Yeah. It's like, like, wait, but this puzzle, what, what do we put here? Wrong way, wrong way. And I think too, for all of those years, those 20 years, right, that you were feeding that pattern, right? Every time you, you go to work because you're scared, you're not going to make money and you go to work the next day and the next day, you're telling that pattern that like, you're working for me. Yes. Also that you're necessary. It's like, good, good. You scared me into going to work and I did go and now we're okay again. Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's innocent. The pattern is innocent. All it knows is that you've been consistently reinforcing it and Mm -hmm. focusing on it. And our brains love what we focus on. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, you like that? And it worked? Great. I'll do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that withdrawal period of I'm not going to be driven by fear so for me, even like the past week, I've kind of just been doing nothing since I got back very intentionally. But I have noticed the old pattern being like, let's do something. Yeah. Like, I remember yeah. I kept telling you, I'm disorganized. And you were yeah. like, okay, like we'll get organized this week. Like, yeah. what's the problem? And I kept challenging my mind because it was telling me that I need to get organized and like get back to work. And I just kept saying no. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I'm not going to do this. I kept asking myself, does this feel inspired or obligatory? And it was so clear. It felt obligatory. Yeah. And I know that anything obligatory is not me. It's conditioning. And so yes. I just kept telling myself, we're not doing that. Yeah. No. And it was it was a World War Sam. Yeah. Me. It was like this part of me that is old and patterned was like, we need to do that. But the higher part of me was like, no, we don't. And yeah. like anything that I'm going to do, if I'm going to do anything, it's not going to be from that energy. Yeah. It was kind of like, no, thank you. Yeah. And it felt really uncomfortable. Like all week. You knew how weird I felt. I was like, I just don't feel right. Like, uh, it just, it feels like this voice is inside of you just constantly saying you need to do things. And for you to not honor that is such a radical rewiring. It's yeah. like your brain is like, we don't know what to do with this response. We've never seen this response before. Like, so, but eventually it'll realize, oh, she's not, she's not paying attention to that. Interesting. And then it will yeah. actually begin to let go. It reminds me of like 
our Google Maps. And I mean, because we work in real estate, there's some roads for new developments that are not on Google Maps yet. And so sometimes like you're trying to go there and the GPS keeps going rerouting, rerouting because it doesn't even recognize that there's a road there because that program has not been updated yet with this new road. And that's literally what happens inside. It's like there is no road there. Where are you going? And you're like, I'm standing on the road. But your patterning doesn't see the road. It hasn't been paved yet. It hasn't been programmed in there yet. It hasn't been added. And so I will say that now I genuinely can feel that I am leading with love. And that fear-based leading has started to trust that it can let go into love. It's still absolutely there, but it's starting to feel good to lead this way. And even like you've noticed, I mean, I'm like, what are we gonna eat? Like, we're trying to be timely today so we can make sure we feed our bodies. And, you know, even today, like I did notice this morning, I was very frazzled. Now I'm like, that makes sense. I'm just going to lead myself back into love. I need to give myself what I need. And most of the time it is soothing, right? From all that sensory stimulation. And I don't know, for lack of better words, it really is babying ourselves. It literally is. And something that's helped me over the past few months to a year is realizing that I am an ancient body in a modern world. Mm. I truly feel like our bodies, someone once told me, and this really blew my mind, but because, okay. How do they explain it? I just want to be very clear. She said that when you are born, your body, like biologically, physiologically, assumes it will be in the exact same environment that the mother was in. Interesting. That makes sense, right? But yeah. Because biologically, we're not primed to understand like technological advancements. Yeah. Right? Like I'm not being birthed to come into a world with iPhones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm really birthed to come into a world where I'm still like crawling on my hands and knees probably and like picking up sticks and shit. I don't know. But then like my brain is so smart. So I adapt to this environment. It's crazy that we have this microphone hooked up and we learn how to do this. Like the brain is capable of learning so many things, but these are not grounding elements of life. Yeah. (laughs) My body and brain are never going to not need that. And I think that's why things like somatic work, meditation, going outside, they always work because they are, that is us. Like we do, we are literally natural beings, but we're living very unnaturally. And so I think sometimes the compassion I have for myself is like, I'm not supposed to even live like this. Totally. Like sometimes I look at my life in my apartment and I love my apartment. I'm grateful, but it's like pretty small and it's like concrete. And I just think about how odd it is that I live in a block of concrete. Yeah. And then when I haven't gone outside for a long time, like in the winters, I'm like, my plants are dying. I'm a plant. Like yes. it makes, I'm like, it's not getting sun and water. Neither am I. Like yeah. it just, it just makes sense. And so our modern life is not fit for true, like well-being. Yeah. And so you do have to be a very conscious, intentional person about how to actually embody well-being this in your life and know that it's going to go against what you've been taught because literally, I'm sorry, but being a regular, normal human being in this society it is to be sick. Yeah, that's so that's true. Normal. Yeah. Normal people are on prescription drugs. Normal people don't sleep well. Normal people are always stressed. I mean, think about how you said, okay, I'm stressed before I go to work because I'm like scared I'm not gonna make money or I'm scared I'm gonna lose my job. People are scared before they go into social situations and then drink there to feel safe too. It's like, People are constantly feeling stressed and scared. Yeah. That's normal. And so to feel actually regulated and safe in your body, that's that's honestly quite a rarity. 
Yeah. And just kind of going back to the plant analogy, it's like if you did live in a place where there's no sunlight and you want this plant to survive, like you would have to create the conditions for it to survive in a dark room. So if the world is the dark room that doesn't allow a lot of light in, like we need to create the environment for ourselves so that we can thrive. And that's what I've been realizing. Like even with my real estate business, the real estate world is extremely like... (laughs) It's very stressful. Everything is time sensitive. And I had to restructure the way that my I function in my business and how I show up in my business to be able to support my nervous system. And that's when I realized this is what entrepreneurship is. It is you becoming the leader of your business. And you can, even if you don't have a business, become the leader of your life. Literally become the president of your own body and figure out what does your body need to thrive in its own self. What conditions does it need to be put under, right? And how do you want to be ruled? How do you want to be motivated? How do you want to be spoken to? How do you want to be led in your life and in your business, in your relationships, any of those things? And so many of us are being led by an automatic programming that is a tyrant and is so mean and makes us feel worse about everything. And the automatic programming system just basically abuse your body to get what you want. Yes. Which is like the complete opposite of what I want. It's the weirdest thing. Like every time I have a big realization, it's always something like, oh, my health is my it's something very simple. Yeah. But the traditional programming says give up your health for wealth. Yeah. Like, how fucked up is that? Like money is not going to buy you back a healthy body. I mean, I mean, technically you could probably improve things with some money. But I think that preventatively taking care of your body and like leading your life in a way that you said supports your nervous system. It seems like it's not getting you ahead. But yeah. Like, but if you undo your programming, you'd realize that that is what you want. Like yes. I think what everyone wants is to feel just healthy and happy. Yeah. Like, isn't that what everyone wants? Yeah. It's the weirdest thing that that's something we have within our control, but we're basically taught to just like toss it out the window to get what stuff. I know stuff. Yeah. I know it's wild. And I feel like so many of us are pointing the weapons at ourselves and causing our own pain. You can just like put down the weapon and not have the pain. Like we're running from pain that we're creating for ourselves, right? Like the pressure that I put on myself to succeed in business. I'm just like, I'm crumbling under the pressure, but I'm the one pushing down. And that's when you just realize, wait, I can just like, like not press that down. I can not put that pressure down, but then how will I succeed? How will I run my business? And that's the work. It's like, you get to discover how do you want to be led? How do you want to live your life? And Honestly, in our community call um, on Sunday, it was so beautiful because um, I think it was Francesca that said, yeah, it's interesting because when I read gentle parenting things, it kind of reminds me of how I can treat myself. And it just was like, I loved hearing that because through parenting my daughter, that's how I learned how we should be parenting ourselves. That is what we should be treating ourselves like. We need to be babying ourselves in that way of really noticing like, when is she crying? What does she need? How does she want to be fed? What kind of food does she need? And if we were to be able to approach ourselves in that way, instead of like, imagine like a fear-based parent. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot out there. I guess we had them. That's our parents. (laughs) (laughs) Most parents are fear-based. Totally. Something I ask my clients to do sometimes, and I need to do it with myself more recently, but I tell them to pretend that Let's just say that they were like a zoo animal, right? And you're and you've never seen this zoo animal before. And you're trying to basically study everything about yeah. this animal. Like yeah. what what's its ideal habitat? And like where does it thrive? Yeah. Oh, it likes to sleep in these areas and like it, gen- it generally is active during these hours and like right. like you wouldn't be subjective or judgmental about any of those things. Like you're just kind of recording data. You're like what it what does it yeah. do? Like yeah. how do I know that it's healthy? How do I know that it's unhealthy? Like how do I know that it's thriving? 
And I ask people to really observe themselves in that way so that they can know, like, there's nothing wrong with you that you get tired at, like, 12 to 2. Like, that's just, that's just your little species. Like, that's just what it does, right? But with animals, we are so impartial to that. Like, look at my yeah. dog. He sleeps, like, the whole day. <laughs> I'm like, do you do anything? Like, he just sleeps all day. And I'm like, but that's, I've been observing him for many years. I know that's just how he functions. And I think that's something, too, that people really don't think about. But because of the Industrial Work Week and all of that, since the Industrial Revolution, we are actually really conditioned to think that our work capacity is much higher than it actually is. I know. I, I truly believe that humans are equally as lazy as dogs and yeah. cows and cats. Like, yeah. we we just are. But we just, we're just taught that we need to work eight plus hours a day. We think that that's normal. It's not. That's why everyone's sick. Yeah. And so some days, the days that I feel the best, I'll work like three, four hours a day, not even in a row, like two, then one. Then yeah. one if I'm feeling sparky at the middle of the night, like after eight o'clock sometimes. But I'm not actually wired to work under the conditions that we've been taught to. And I think that's what's so disorienting about breaking up with your conditioning. It's like, but then like, what is wrong with me if I don't fit into this? And I'm like, that's what's wrong. Like the thing you're trying to fit into. Yeah, the container you. is wrong. The container is wrong. Yeah. And I think that honestly with the whole, I think I told you the Schumann resonance, everything is, there's so many things coming out about that. How the vibration yeah. of the earth is like the highest it's ever been. I think people are just realizing like this structure, these institutions, it doesn't work for me. And people are opting out and more than ever people are becoming entrepreneurs and it feels like a really beautiful sort of restoration of like personal power because we've given up so much of our power to like what? Like for what? Like to, yeah. to be a part of a system that basically abuses my mind and my body for profit. Yeah. It's like I'm opting out. I'm yeah. opting out. But it it doesn't feel right at first to opt out like not I think, at all i think i want people to understand at the end of this that breaking out of conditioning is not a peaceful process it is it's a radical reclamation and it feels you're protesting you're protesting yes like the way you live your life is a literal protest and without having people around you who are protesting with you you're just gonna feel fucking crazy yes and i feel like that's why having our community has been so powerful because people come to the calls they message in the groups and they're like okay, I'm not the only one that's like losing my effing mind and realizing that my job is sucking my soul. It's yeah. like, no, most jobs suck souls. And yes. most people have accepted that as that's just what jobs do. Yeah. No, we don't have to accept that. Even like, I think I told you that I got randomly interested in permaculture last month. Did I do that? <laughs> what? I don't know if you told me that. I didn't tell you that? Okay. Well, for anyone who's listening, I got really into permaculture last month, which is basically the practice of becoming reliant on the local resources of the land, right? Mm. And it was this whole idea, and it's not new. This is like, permaculture yeah. is how people live yeah. like 200 years ago. It's like, if I could actually self-sustain on the land that I live and like build a home on the land that I live, then like, why do I need all this stuff? Like, what am I being convinced that I need? And mm. who is that supporting? Whose pockets is that putting dollars into? It's like, these are the things that people don't, want you to talk about but talking about them is how we begin to basically carve a new path and a way yeah. of being in the world and it's the new world it is the new world and i think you know for any of you that are listening and you maybe you do have a job and maybe it isn't possible for you right now to work three hours a day and have that perfectly you know idealistic schedule for yourself right now but like what can you start to do like what can you start to shift right and a lot of it is just internal dialogue it's like how who are you being ruled by inside like who who's doing the talking right i'm really questioning that and basically changing 
who rolls inside. Yeah, who you give the mic to. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a one-on-one client the other day, and we were actually going through a similar thing at the same time because since I got home, I noticed, you know, my old pattern being like, let's get to work. Be yeah. Productive. And for her, I think a bunch of just like body insecurity things came back, and I've, I'm familiar with that as well. But the realization we both came to at around the same time was just that I'm not going to do this to myself. Kind yeah. Of like, no. Like, like, it was kind of like, what am I going to do? Beat myself up and then do it? Punish myself into it? Is that going to work? It kind of feels like I'm putting my pattern and ego under the spot. It's like, really? We're going to punish ourselves into it? Yeah. You're going to tell me that I'm ugly? You're going to tell me that I suck? And it's kind of like, uh, I guess, I guess not. Like, yeah. It, it kind of runs out of things to say because it's just, it's just not, I think the thing that I've learned too, it, it's just not the most powerful motivation. It's, it's never actually going to work. To tell myself that I'm ugly and stupid, it's just not going to work. I mean, not anymore. Not anymore. It okay. used it to did. work. It did. Yeah. Right. And I think what's really beautiful too, um, I've been doing so many somatic sessions. It's been really interesting to observe the part of you that is calling you ugly and stupid, right? That that part of you doesn't want to call you ugly and stupid. It just thinks that that's what it needs to say in order to yeah. get, because it's fearful that unless it does that job, like it's trying to protect you from from feeling bad. But it's, again, the one that's making you feel bad in the first place. And I just had a beautiful session with somebody who basically realized that this part of her doesn't want to be yelling. And even I had that, right? I had that moment when after my panic attack and I was like messaging you from in Korea and I had this moment where I was asking myself, can you not be mad at me? And I had this like very dramatic cry in the mirror. And um, I was like, please don't be mad. Please don't be mad. And that part of me was like, I don't even want to be mad at you. I don't you know what it reminds me of. What? It's like every movie ever where like, you know, it's not an evil person, but she like he or she like takes a yes. weapon and is about to kill someone. And then someone's like, stop. You don't want to do yeah. this. It's like, you don't, I know you don't want to do this. Yeah. Let, let go of the, the sword or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, and yeah. then they let it go. And then they like start crying. Totally. Because they actually don't want to cause yes. They're just, they're in that moment of fear and like self-protection. And so in IFS, what they say is that you're unburdening that part. Yes. Right? That part feels burdened by the fear and the anxiety. Yes. It just came up with this self-hatred. It's like, don't worry. Yeah. We will hate you into protection or yeah. something like that. And then when you realize or when it realizes, which is a part of you, that you don't have to do that, there's so much relief and yeah. there's a lot of um, excitement that takes the place of any fear. There's a lot of compassion that takes the place of any judgment. But that is a journey, man. I mean, that is pretty much the entire plot of The Grinch. <laughs> Right? He's trying to take everyone's so gifts. Like, love that. that's the Grinch. And he thinks he's going to feel better by taking everything away from everybody else. No one can feel joy, including himself, until, and he has all the presents. And then he yeah. realizes, Still no joy. oh my God, there's no joy. And then he, his heart grows three sizes. And then he goes back and he realizes, like, I don't even want to take this away from them. What I actually want is to give the gift back and experience what love feels like. And now and he only did that from a non-loving place. Like, yes. He was a Grinch. Yeah. Well, he he was an orphan and he didn't get he, he was traumatized. He, he was traumatized. And so he's trying to protect himself from more trauma by literally recreating the trauma because that's safe. At least I can expect the trauma. At least I can expect the pain. I can expect the stress. But it, it really is hard to trust that you're not going to feel that bad anymore. And again, like I think that's why we were saying earlier, you got to break break down to break through because it's in that breakdown that you you have no option but to surrender. 
And I think at least in my case, I just was able to see things so much clearer. And it was like the, the, the amount of pain that I felt was what I needed to really feel somatically in my body to know like no more. Like no more. Like I'm I'm done this war with myself. I am truly going to step into this leadership of love and and I just keep showing up for myself over and over and over and over again. Even when I do have a flip out and even when I do rely on adrenaline, even when I do have whatever a meltdown because I haven't meditated enough. Like how can I lead myself back with love even then? And it's just been a really beautiful journey. I mean, just two weeks ago, I was probably the worst I've ever felt in my life. And it was also the most love I've ever felt in my life. I remember saying that to you. It was such an interesting feeling of extreme duality. I felt so low, but I also felt so much relief to let go of this burden, right? So much love for myself to choose. I'm not going to do this to myself anymore. And there was so much fear. I was like the most scared I've ever been. I've ever been. And I felt the most self-love I've ever felt in, Mm -hmm. in choosing to not live like that anymore. And now I'm on the other side of that. Thank mm. God. I think t- that's so beautiful. And I think too that self-love, okay, I have something really interesting to say about that because I was feeling this past week my pattern of self-hate, but I knew that self-love was present because it was almost like equalizing or neutralizing it, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that practicing self-love, I just want to also remind you, it's not going to feel like, wow, I feel so abundant. I love myself. <laughs> yeah. It will feel like that when you are already in that state and you're yeah. adding that on. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like already being happy and then seeing your best friend who's also happy. It's like now you're just like, well, I'm happy and it's awesome. Yeah. But like if one of you is down and one of you is happy, it kind of like now you're just It kind totally of, does. Yeah. yeah. Now you're just like kind of neutral, <laughs> you know? It's kind of like, well, what we can't both be happy now and we're not going to both right. be sad. So we're, just right. kind of, we're just kind of like in mid, you know? And so this past week, I actually felt really mid. But that was actually such a heroic win for me. Yeah. That is actually me applying self-love. Yes. It's like a positive charge fighting against a negative charge. What's like hot and cold water? I was lukewarm. You were lukewarm, (laughs) which is better than being boiling hot in your self-hatred. Oh, yeah. And I think I remember finally telling you a couple of days ago, like, no, I know this is a win because the old me would have been completely toppled over by this. Well, she wouldn't have even talked to me. Like, we wouldn't have been even on the phone. Yeah, no, I would... I know that what I experienced this past, that's how I know I've grown because yeah. what I experienced this past week would have taken me out. And I would have, I would have just also carried it on longer for probably like another week, maybe two, <laughs> two max. But I, I could just see myself doing it. And I was like, no, no, like I'm not going to, no, like BS. I'm just not going to, no. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be like the best friend that's like basically comforting the person that's yep. like having a mental breakdown. I'm like, you're fine. Let's just hang out. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. It kind of feels like that. It's kind of like the friend who's like, you know what? Just let's just hang out. We don't have to do anything crazy. Yeah. We'll just sit there together and watch Netflix and we'll just, we'll just chill until you feel better. That's yeah. literally how it felt. And so I was very neutral throughout the entire experience. I wasn't particularly like, oh, my life is over now. Like, I'm so depressed. Like, what am I going to do next? Like, it's so easy to go there. It's so easy to go there. It's so easy to go there. It's so hard because to Because it, it feels it feels like you're going to actually solve the problem. I know. The more that you think about it and ruminate and come up with some sort of freaking plan that is not going to work, right? But I think that's been one of the most healing things too is just, uh, again, allowing that feeling to just be there. Yeah, you hold space for yourself. Yeah. And I mean, it reminds me of like when Emmeline's sick, right? Like she's so miserable and I just try to make her sickness feel as comfortable as possible. 
Right, without taking it away because you're not. I can't take away her sickness until she has got to go through the course of the virus or whatever the hell it is. But I can sure as hell make it a lot more comfortable versus being like, you're still sick. Hurry up and get up and keep doing your work, which is what we do to ourselves. Like we are sick. Like we are sick. Like you said, we're sick. I was so sick on adrenaline for me. I was like poisoning myself. It is. That's yes. It starts to literally damage your body. And didn't you have some sort of issue? I forget. I've had multiple issues. Okay, Which yeah. are you speaking of, my friend? <laughs> I've had many. That's I mean, the crazy thing is adrenaline is so damaging to your body. It's well, yeah. So, it's so damaging. Well, even with Winifred, if you guys listen to that episode, she's a medical medium. And the first thing she said was your entire insides are completely fried. She used the word fried so much. Um, and I, I mean, I did feel it back then. And I did keep trying to kind of I don't know. I guess I can say that this happened in a lot of stages. You know, I think that was when I started to become aware. I had that session with Dr. Shafali, who basically told me I have to like let go of everything in my life because I have too many things going on. And that was a huge realization for me because I think she helped me to realize that just being a mom is so much. And I always forget that. You know, I'm like, well, I'm not even doing that much work these days. And you're like, yeah, but you have to take care of Emmeline. And yeah, but you, and I was like, oh yeah, I, I did have to be a mom still. And so I think I'm just starting to become a lot more aware, I guess, of what my energetic output is. Mm-hmm. Because again, going back to our personalities, I would do, you know, seven Zoom calls in a row because I like talking. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I love leaving voice notes in my WhatsApp groups. I have like 10 people that I voice note every single I know. day. Like you can love something and know that you need to moderate. And I yes. Think that's kind of because I remember even telling you like stop being on the phone like just. just I'm like, but I like don't, it. Don't it's even fine. leave me a voice note. It's fine. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Like just just stop. And you're like, no, I like it. Like I like it. Because, but it's like saying like, but I like drinking. I like drinking. I or like, like I like eating candy. Yeah. I like it. It's like well, but it's not it's not good for you. And and you're gonna you might not feel it then, but you're going to feel the effects later, which is when these breakdowns happen. And I think a lot of times when a breakdown happens, we're looking at the immediate what just happened right now. And it's like, no, 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 no. This has been going on for a while. This is just a buildup of so many things. And now it's breaking down, right? So yeah, I think that's been really illuminating for me too. Because I always go to like, what happened today? Like, I didn't even have a hard day. But then I remember, oh, right. There were multiple events over the past few weeks where I didn't get to release whatever frustrations I was having. It could even be as simple as somebody being rude to you like when you're driving or whatever and you don't get a chance to like even release that or even just the sensory stimulation that we have on a day-to-day basis. And so, yeah, treat yourself like a plant and a baby. And I think just honestly, I think it for me has been really just getting quiet enough to like, (laughs) sounds so stupid, but like hear the calls of my body. Yeah. Because I'm not listening to my mind anymore, right? It's like listening to my body because the body doesn't lie. But sometimes, sometimes the body will lie in protection of you, I guess. Because again, sometimes in my body, I feel this anxiety, like you, you must keep going, but that's again, because of fear, right? So that you must keep going thought is your mind. Exactly. But the feeling is a signal from my body telling me this is too much, but my mind has computed that as we need to keep going more. And so I think it's like I have a new translator, (laughs) you know, where my mind used to translate the sensations from my body as we need to keep going and push ourselves more. Whereas now when I feel my, the pain in my body, it's like, oh, I need to slow down. Whereas before I would be accelerate. Yeah. To get away from the pain. 
Yeah, it's crazy to how to like there's so much duality even in the human body because it's both so resilient and so not. So true. It's so, sometimes I think about how how easy it is to get hurt, but then also just how amazing it is that I just wake up and I feel completely fine like all the time. I saw this report on the news that said that all of a sudden malaria is back in the U.S. and I was like, wow, it's crazy that I just don't have a disease right now. Like there's so many. Yeah, there's yeah, so many yeah. of them. And that, yeah, with the stress too, that like I can experience that basically coursing through my blood and veins for so many years and not feel the effects. But then all of a sudden, I'm just like dying of this breakdown. And um, I'll never forget. So Cara, my, my first call, that was three years ago. I was actually so offended. And it's funny because she noted that and said something about it in the call. But she actually asked me how old I was because I was talking about basically basically what we're talking about today and mm. how I have no awareness yet about So Kara is a coach. Yeah. That Sam used to yeah work with. Coach. Great coach. And um, I was actually basically explaining how what I thought was normal, basically fear-based motivation, which she was trying to help me do some thought work around. And she actually said, wait a second, how old are you? And I was kind of like, oh, is that relevant? Like why should Interesting. I Interesting. But I, I told her my age. And so I think then I was like 27. She was like, yeah. So not to be, not to like, you know, make a whole thing about your age, but like you will not be able to do that after 30. Like she literally said, she was like, wow. you, you will not be able to do that. She's like, you can do that for a few more years. And she was like, I know I did. And probably a lot of people here, but like that will end. And I, I don't think I believed her then because I really thought it was my personality still at that point to just be like a pusher. It's like me and girls, I'm a pusher, Katie. <laughs> I'm a pusher. But like, I was just a pusher to myself. Like I just pushed myself. And then yeah, I would say it was definitely last year or the year before that where I was just like, I'm so tired of pushing myself. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And I felt like I was basically failing, but I can only think that I'm failing if I'm living in a system that first of all, pits people against each other, right? Measure success based on how much I work and how much I make. And I just, I just decided to opt out and it was the greatest decision I've ever made. And it's still challenging sometimes because the conditioning is older than my consciousness. And mm -hmm. it's it's older than the new pattern, right? It's like- Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I think it's also challenging because we also live in a world where everybody else is operating off of that old programming. So we're constantly being shown the old translation, but like we have a different translation for that, right? And it's so interesting how many people are seeking safety by taking these actions out of stress and out of fear, but it's like, how is that safe? How does it feel safe to feel like you're under pressure all the time and that if you so so much as take a break, that everything's going to crumble? Like, that's insane. And so, yeah, anyways. You are teaching your body that, like, things are unsafe. Yes. And we have to constantly do things to keep it safe, even though you're creating the non-safety in your own body. Exactly. And I think to the most radical thing is to basically realize that you are safe. Fear really is an illusion. Mm -hmm. And to live confidently and courageously in the reality that you are safe and that you always will be. And that, that, that's a radical statement it to is. actually say, I know I'm always going to be okay because people are constantly wondering if they're going to be okay. Yeah. Like how, many, how many conversations are like, it's going to be okay. It's like, no, it already is okay. Yeah. Like you're, you're just catching up to that realization because you have beliefs and stories that are telling you that certain situations are okay more than others, or this one's okay. And this one's not, but really everything is okay right now. Everything you're listening to this everything is okay sure circumstances could look different mm -hmm. but I think the fact that your safety is intact is just wild to me like every time I'm worried about anything I'm safe the whole time I'm safe the whole time my body is just convinced by my mind that something isn't going to be safe in the future yeah 
that's it. It's just not being present. We mm-hmm. had this conversation the other day. It's just not being present. Like camels don't walk around thinking like, am I going to be okay, okay tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> they just don't. They're, they're just like, this is good. It's hot right now. I don't know. Like, I don't know what they think. Maybe they think they need <laughs> to lay down. But are they like, I need an extra hump? It just, I don't <laughs> worry. If I don't worry about tomorrow, it sounds crazy. Like, and you can plan for tomorrow without worrying about it, by the way, because I think people hear that and they're like, well, then what am I going to well, then what about this? It's like, no, but you can do all of those things from non-stress. I think that's the difference is I'm trying to yes. live my life and I have for the most part been able to access that where I do a lot of things just from non-stress. Well, I can say about restructuring my real estate business, I kept on trying to think of a new way to structure it with my team and just everything, but I was trying to do it from fear, right? Because I was like, well, what, how can I create something where they won't be mad or that I, can, I won't lose too much money or this and that, the other. And it was impossible for me to come up with any sort of solution. But the solution for me came when I started to operate from love. And when I focus on the fact that I need to practice what I preach, which is to speak and live your truth. And I'm not living my truth if I just stay in a business because I feel bad for my team. Like that's not, that's never going to equate into a positive outcome for any of us because it, it's it's under a guise. It's like a, a fake, I don't know, there's, there's a fake front to it. But once I started to really operate from love and really make a decision from how can I lovingly, you know, express to them what where my heart is going to now? How can I honor the truth of what I actually want to do in real estate now, which is to coach and lead and mentor them and help them to build their own businesses? Then a loving solution came from that, which then inspired me to start like the other business and inspired us with so many more ideas for our podcast. And so I think, I guess my point in saying all of that is that you can plan from love. It doesn't have to be from fear. And it's going to feel a lot better to plan from love because the reality is I was also okay if they were really mad at me. If my team was like, we're quitting, we hate you. I would have been okay with that. Not that I wanted that to happen, but I still would have been able to find safety in knowing that that is what needed to happen. That is their path and this is mine and this is going to push me into a different outcome that I wouldn't do if they don't leave, right? And so I think just trusting going back to like, again, like you said, where everything's going to be fine because there's nothing that can happen that I can't find safety in or find love in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because those are in your body. Exactly. Not in, not in the conditions. And I think that has been, actually, that's been a really great relief to me the past week because when I was kind of like, I was like walking around and like really dragging my feet everywhere. Just, <laughs> just feeling very like, ugh. And... It was on my walk that I remembered that everything I want is already inside. So I'm like, I'm kind of like walking around with like my own like jackpot inventory of things. And so I just, I felt really comforted by that. I was like, oh, like I I just want to feel happy. That's inside my body. I'm just like experiencing right now. Cool. And then it it didn't really bother me as much because what I want never gets taken away from me. Yeah. It's just the illusion of the story that clouds that realization. And so you will always be okay because you will always have yourself. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is the only true security. Anything that you find security in outside of you is not security. It's insecurity. Yeah. And that has been such a beautiful realization for me. And I love that you and I both have been, we have had certain securities or false securities taken away so that we can remember that. Yeah. So. And so thank goodness for the breakdown. Thank goodness for the breakdown, which forces you to let go. It just forces you to because there's nothing to hold on to anymore. Actually, you just realize that you were holding on to air. Yeah. It's like there's nothing there. You were just gripping to yourself and yeah. like scratching yourself. Yeah. And then you just let go and you're like, oh, it was actually. I feel like every realization is like, oh, I was actually fine. Yeah. I just didn't think that I was. 
and it felt real, but I actually was fine. And so um, we hope that by listening to this episode, you feel a lot more just seen in your journey of breaking up with hustle culture. Or maybe this is the first time you're really hearing about this. You're like, wait, am I addicted to adrenaline? Mm. Because I feel like you had to have that realization first, right? In yourself, like, am I like that? And there was multiple iterations of it, right? And I think they had to happen in those stages. Because for me to go from abrupt, like, adrenaline to, like, none at all, like, uh, that would have just been a lot. I mean, as it even was for me for the past, it was, and it was titration, right? It was kind of a weaning off. And it's kind of like I could get to a certain nervous system state where then I could see more and then I settled more and then I could see even more. And I was finally ready to release all of it. And so this might happen in stages for you as well. And, um, you know, honestly, just, yeah, be your, be your own mom as you go through it and just know that, I mean, I knew the whole time that this was just leading to the greatest expansion ever. I remember saying that to you too. Like this was the most painful thing I've ever really gone through, I guess just personally on my own. And, um, but it did lead to the greatest liberation where I really feel like I'm free from the rule of the tyrant of fear within me. Mm. And the fear still serves a purpose, right? Those survival strategies, as you said, they're supposed to be there, right? If there is a freaking bear chasing after me, I want that. I want my adrenaline to kick in, but now it's teaching my body when that's really necessary and how to soothe myself when it does spike up, when it's not needed to bring myself back to homeostasis, I guess, because the survival strategy is not meant to be on all the time, right? It's kind of like a spare tire on your car. Yeah. Right? Like you're not supposed to be driving on the spare tire forever. You got to change the wheel. And I've just been riding on a spare tire for a long time. Mm -hmm. And now I got out my wheel. It's like multiple spare tires. Multiple spare tires. You're like, why is my car not driving right? Oh, I'll just put the it's other like, wait, spare this, tire on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. Don't I'll just use wheel. this beach ball. This will work fine. Hey, like I've just oil been. changed. Like yeah. go, take your car to the shop. Like, totally. So take yourselves to the, the metaphorical auto body shop. Yeah. And it might mean you're out of commission for a few days. Yeah. Like, and you, just see what it feels like to not have a car. And it might feel like you're renting a car for the first little bit. It well, did feel like that. The funniest thing is when I put, I literally take my car and they don't have a loaner car. And I'm like, what? So I have to like walk home <laughs> and like not, and figure out how to live my life without my car. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what we're asking you to do is like, what does it feel like when you're not driving the wheel of adrenaline? Yeah. Like, and pressure and, and force. Pressure. Yeah. Yes. And you hate, self hatred and yeah. fear. Self hatred and fear is just going to be, it's like, if we had to compare gas types, it would be the unleaded versus the premium. <laughs> I know a lot of cars take unleaded, but we know for a fact that premium gas is, I guess, better for your engine. And so think of it that way. You right. Know, you're, we're, you're we're not mechanics. Fuel, so. Your self-hatred <laughs> fuel is just going to not give you as much longevity and performance. Yeah. Than a loving fuel. <laughs> I love it. The premium love. The premium love. All right. Um, if you like this episode, definitely leave us a review. But more importantly, join us inside of the free Spiraling Higher community. Yes, yes. Um, so awesome, the people in there. Oh, my gosh. It's awesome. It's the awesome. monthly calls are so great. I know. And oh, we, so get so, we get to they're go free. so deep. And they're totally free. And we get to know each other. You get to meet other spiralers. And, um, yeah, so hope to see you there. Hope to see you in there. Talk right. to you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. 
And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to Spiraling Higher. Thank you.